The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Hi, everyone. So we have another podcast guest here today, and I'm going to let Ashley introduce herself. Hi there. I'm Dr. Ashley Machioski, and I'm a house call dentist. That is very cool, and it's something that I've never had on my podcast before, so I was so happy when you reached out. I'm excited to learn more about that and kind of present that as a career path opportunity to people because you were telling me that not a lot of people know how to go about it. Yeah. I'm not surprised to hear that I'm the first one that you've had because I'm the first one that most people have ever heard of or met or, um, have even, you know, I'm the first person to even kind of like light that spark and kind of inform them that that career is even an option. And where do you currently practice out of like what state? I live in Buffalo, New York. I'm one of those born and raised, never leaving Buffalo kind of people. I went to dental school here, college here, and that's where I'm practicing now. So, um, very happy to be here. Yeah. Did you do a residency in New York too? Cause I know you need one to practice in that state. Exactly. Yep. I did. Um, I did my residency here in Buffalo, New York as well. And it was a hospital-based GPR where I got to work with a lot of medically complex patients working in long-term care, um, patients with special needs. And that's where I started to think about, you know, what happens to my patients when they leave the hospital, where are they going to get care? Yeah. We talked about that in our special care dentistry class a little bit, but it was kind of like, Oh, or, or they can get care at home period. And that's like all it was. It wasn't like, who's actually out there doing that? How do you, well, at least they mentioned that. I mean, (laughs) I know that in my area until I started doing this just over a year ago here in Buffalo, there were zero dentists um, doing house calls. So in a lot of markets and a lot of cities, that's not even an option for most people. So um, people, you know, in New York city or San Francisco think I'm lying because in huge metropolitan areas where there's a lot of, um, a lot of saturation and frankly, like a lot of affluence, these things have been available for a very, very long time, but in smaller cities, um, in rural areas, there's still a huge need. And I mean, we'll get more into the logistics and everything of like home care dentistry, but I mean, on average, like how far from Buffalo are you traveling? So my radius that I started out in is 20 miles from a certain address in Buffalo there are patients in rural areas though. So even yesterday I drove 90 minutes, um, out to a rural area in New York. And I would say I do that about twice a month, maybe two or three times a month. I'm driving far out. I try now I, you know, charge for my travel outside of a certain radius, but I've gotten calls from all across the state, people looking and they'll say, can you come drive four hours to come to my house? And I'm like, well, I can, but you know, they don't, um, it wouldn't really, you know, work out, but there just need to be more people doing it. Cause you know, when you're asking about the radius, it's also a question of just how many patients can you see in one day when you're driving from house to house, um, especially in a big area. So if there were more people doing it, then the radius could be smaller, but 
I just try to go where they need me, you know? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Did you going into dental school have any idea that this is where you would end up? Oh, absolutely not. I didn't even hear about home care dentistry until after I graduated, I was already in residency and I had started to have these thoughts about what, where are my patients going to follow up with when they leave the hospital? Um, who's going to help them out when they're, when they're homebound. And the answer was nobody. So I started looking online and I saw dentists in, like I said, these major metropolitan areas offering dental care. And a lot of them specializing only in geriatrics, which is great. A lot of my patients are elderly and a lot of people do, you know, as they age, acquire ailments that inhibit them from leaving. But a lot of my patients are young people with special needs. Um, Even today, I saw a 19-year-old who's homebound yesterday, a 23-year-old. So there are young adults at home too who really need need care. And before we get more deep into the questions about home care dentistry, just a little more background on you, like what brought you into dentistry in general and how was like your dental school experience? Thanks. Yeah, I started in dentistry in general because I chose that career when I was a kid. I was um, nine years old. My sister was born and she has spina bifida. So when I saw all of the different providers that she was seeing, like her therapists, her nurses, her physicians, her surgeons, I started interviewing all of them and shadowing all of them. And I was so fascinated by everything in healthcare. I knew that's where I wanted to end up. But by the time I was 14 or so, I had chosen dentistry because I realized my favorite provider was our family dentist. And they, you know, they saw all of us, not only my sister. And I thought that that career was awesome. You could use your hands. You could be on the front lines doing, you know, surgical stuff and preventive stuff. Um, Dentistry, I think, is the best profession because unlike any other healthcare field, you get to do surgery and general care. So like, let's say, for example, you're a general physician and you find something that needs to be addressed, you refer them to the surgeon. And then let's say you're a heart surgeon, you get to save somebody's life, you do surgery, but then after they're done with that condition, you might never see them again. So Dentistry is great because you get to do the surgical intervention and also see them every so often, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that was one of the things that made me interested in dentistry too, is just that continuation of the relationship with the patient and exactly. definitely for me also like patient education, I think is something that you really have a lot of time to do in dentistry mm-hmm. versus other careers. If you're not spending as much time with the patient, you're missing that opportunity and you're missing the opportunity to follow up on certain things too. Absolutely. So it was definitely my, you know, just my exposure to healthcare as a young kid and kind of deciding where I wanted to fall within the system. And as far as, um, you know, during dental school, like I went to dental school in Buffalo, New York. I loved it. It was near my friends and family while I did it. And then you know, in my community, just because I'm so dedicated to this region, like I was always doing service and outreach and learning more about the patients here and what my community needs. And that kind of shaped my experience in dental school. Um, the organizations that I was drawn to the type of volunteering opportunities I'd take up or trips, maybe that we would do abroad for service um, and outreach. So dental school for me and dentistry and for me in general has always been trying to see how I can meet a need here for people. Because dentistry is great. Another reason I chose it is because every single human on the planet needs a dentist, even people without teeth, even babies, even elderly people. Like you need to check out soft tissue. Um, Yeah, every person, every stage needs a dentist. So it was just always me trying to find like, where can I reach people who aren't being reached? Yeah, that's amazing. Did you in dental school, were there specific organizations that you would recommend to people if they're interested in? 
even like hospital dentistry, any kind of special care dentistry. I mean, we have literally a special care dentistry association. I don't know if that's at every school or if you had that at Buffalo. I, if we had it at Buffalo, I did, I don't remember hearing about it and I wasn't in that organization. Um, but I definitely recommend people join that organization. I'm a part of that organization as a member, member dentist now, but yeah, during dental school, I was not, what I did was a lot of, it's called, we have Buffalo outreach and community association. It's like Boca. We do trips, um, to different par- parts of the world and also volunteering locally. So I was a part of that. And then also ASDA because I'm a big believer in the power of organized dentistry over time and trying to make big changes. So I would definitely recommend getting involved with that. Yeah. We love ASDA. I'm really involved at my school too. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. I was a legislative liaison oh, and cool. uh, an advocacy chair for my district. I guess while we're on that topic of like legislation and advocacy, is there certain changes you'd like to see in dentistry to better provide for like more vulnerable populations? Absolutely. I could go on all day, but I'll just, one example is um, in my head in New York state here, hygienists cannot operate independently. So hygienists cannot open up their own hygiene practice. And that's different in every state. Some hygienists can work without um, a dentist in the building, but in New York state, they can't. So they have to be supervised. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that, but for me as a home care dentist, I think about access. I think about like as a business owner, how much it could benefit patients economically. If I were able to send a hygienist to their house for their cleaning, um, if I had seen them recently for an exam, instead of a, a family having to pay to have the dentist at their house to do the cleaning, you know, so that would just be something if we could expand access and, you know, let hygienists do a little bit more independent care that could absolutely help out people who are homebound. Yeah. And that was one of my other questions for you, like the logistics of being a home care dentist and your business model, like who is a part of your team or is it literally you doing everything? Yeah. Good question. So somebody could do everything by themselves. I started this business when I was working a full-time job, but four days a week. So I started out doing it one day a week. And that means that I knew I was going to need someone to answer the phones because I was busy four days a week. So I definitely hired a virtual assistant And she's been with me from the start, um, helping with billing, scheduling, booking, helping me just bounce ideas off about policies. Cause I'll, you know, when I started, I didn't have a a travel fault, you know, policy, like we talked about earlier. So I've been learning as I go and I'm do, I am the only, um, let's say like employee or, you know, active member in, in my business, but I have a, a, a contract with a virtual assistant. I contract with a hygienist who visits, um, nursing homes with me and that's the team. I also, I previously contracted out for various things. You know, if I need something done, there's sites like Fiverr and Upwork if you need to have things done online or whatever, but yeah, the team is very small. Yeah. And I mean, you do have help, but you are doing most of it yourself, really. You're right. Yeah. The packing in the morning and sterilizing. So there's a lot that goes into every appointment. Um, You can't only think about your visit with a patient, you know, for the 60 to 90 minutes that you're at their house. It's the drive to and from their house. It's packing up before you leave for their house. It's coming home and doing the notes after you leave their house, calling in the scripts, the referrals, and then also sterilizing instruments. So while you're in an office, you might be able to finish the note for a patient and then start your next patient. And then when you leave at five o'clock, you're done <laughs> Where with your house call. Even if you only have one house call that day, you come home and you're still on the computer for a little while because you can't be simultaneously writing notes while you're at their house. So There's a lot that goes into every visit behind the scenes. And do you have like 
an autoclave just like at your house or like, yeah, so it didn't start that- out that way, but now I do. Yeah. So when I started, I was like, I mentioned working um, elsewhere and I was very lucky that a friend of mine let me sterilize instruments at their office. So I started out not with an autoclave. I would just bring my instruments once a week to their office, um, sterilize, get ready for the next week. And then as the business has grown and gotten more sustainable, I've been able to invest more into it. And now I have a very nice at home setup. Wow. That's so impressive though. And like, you just like what equipment do you have to bring with you other than like hand instruments? Like, are there like a yeah, little good like, question. motor um, powered burr stuff and everything? Yeah. So it's different depending on the procedure. So if it's, you know, something really simple, like removable, you just bring your alginate and some trays or whatever PVS you're using, like things like that. And that's easy to kind of picture, um, denture adjustments. You can bring a small micro motor. You can bring a portable profi angle, um, profi cup and stuff or profis, hand instruments. I have a big suitcase, like with a portable compressor that I use for op. And they're very similar to, if you decide to take a Ram trip or something like that during school, you'll see at portable mobile dental clinics, like the type of equipment that I'm able to bring into people's houses. That's awesome. And for, we were kind of just talking about the types of procedures you do are, I'm assuming once you go for someone, after you've done a comprehensive exam and you have a treatment needs, do you try to get like as much done in one visit or does it depend like what the patients can kind of tolerate? Mm-hmm. Good question. Oh, you know, earlier I forgot to mention about portable x-ray machine too. So that's a big part of treatment plan developing like a nomad or general ray. Um, but once we have a treatment plan established, at every appointment, I try to get as much done as possible. There is like a per appointment fee that I've established. So patients appreciate when I'm able to stay there longer instead of coming back. But at the same time, it's up to the patient's um, cooperation level or what they're able to tolerate. It's really hard for people to stay open very long, um, especially my patients with the different medical conditions that they have. So yeah, they love it when I can just come once and, you know, they help me out, you know, I'll help them out. They'll help me out. And we're just there all day together and doing a bunch of work. But a lot of people would just prefer shorter visits, shorter, more frequent visits, especially patients who maybe they're lonesome and they don't mind frequent visits. Um, yeah, it just totally depends on the patient, what their needs are. Another thing I was thinking while you were talking, um, like, how are you getting the word out to all these people that maybe haven't been to the dentist and forever because they can't access it? Like, is the local hospital like mentioning that this is an option when they're sending patients out after treatment or how are you getting things around? That's a really good question because at first that was almost like everybody's question. Like, well, how are people supposed to find out about this? And I didn't know. Cause I'm not, you know, I'm a dentist. Like I, I became a businesswoman, but I wasn't a trained, I've never taken a business class in my life. So I'm like, well, I don't know. So I told everybody that I know that I was doing this. Um, and I am from Buffalo. So luckily I did go to the dental school. I attended residency there. So my residency director knew what I was doing. My professors knew what I was doing. So when people call the school or the hospital and are looking for at-home care, that's the number that they get. There are also people here who are, you know, visiting nurses association. I gave them my number hospice care. They have my number. So I was able to meet people from the organizations that are already going into the home because when they're already going into the home, like they've always been asked for a very long time. They're asked about you know, is there any dentist who visits? And finally, once they found out that I was doing it, it's like spread like wildfire. People were calling me in tears. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm so relieved. I've been homebound for five years and I just want someone to clean my teeth. Like, can you please come over? And I just kept getting these overwhelming phone calls of just people are so happy to have the service available to them because for years they had no option. So 
Yeah, it's, it got, it's word of mouth. Um, it's really needed in certain communities. So people working within those communities, it just kind of spread like wildfire, you know, um, I do advertise in a local paper that a lot of, um, seniors look at. So that's another one, but I not spent a lot of money on advertising because when something's like truly needed, it just, it takes off when it needs to. Yeah, I'm sure. And it, it makes sense that word of mouth and especially through those people that are already interacting with these different patients mentioning Absolutely. it. That's and it's great. a lot, you know, it's great because a lot of people maybe didn't even think about it. And then once um, a, like a mobile primary care doctor could mention like, oh, hey, have you ever thought about um, getting your teeth cleaned? And they might say, no, I haven't. But hey, like, whatever, I guess I should, you know, and then they'll call too. So there are people who have been looking for the service for years who are finally happy to have it. And there are people who kind of, you know, maybe they hadn't thought about it, but now that it's available, they're very happy to have it. So when it comes to people listening, my audience is mostly dental students, pre-dental. How could someone kind of self-evaluate if doing home care dentistry, either full-time or part-time would be something that they would be good at, I guess? Yeah, that's a good question. And I'm grateful that your audience is at that stage because if they're able to hear this like so early on in their career, it could, it could really change a lot of things. Um, so as far as self-evaluation goes, I tell anyone, anybody in dental school or pre-dental, I'd say, don't go to dental school unless you want to be a dentist. (laughs) If it's for any other reason, I'm, you know, any other type, any reason, I'm sure that there's a much easier way to accomplish whatever else you're trying to accomplish, um, with fewer years in school and a lot less liability. So don't become a dentist unless you want to be a dentist, (laughs) find that out about yourself. Are you a healthcare, are you like mission-minded? Are you a healthcare provider at heart? And if not, like, please choose a different field because you'll be happier and your patients will be happier. (laughs) So that's one thing. And so find out if you have the heart to really like do what's needed. Um, secondly, what kind of procedures do you see yourself doing? Like, what do you want to do? The stuff I'm doing is not fancy. It's not, you know, cutting edge. It isn't like, you know, dropping a bunch of implants in, or I'm not doing pretty veneers at home. You know, it's kind of, um, healthcare. It's more healthcare than it is like cosmetic or aesthetic. So decide if that's something that you want. Um, do you have the patience to deal with not only a patient, but maybe their family members, their caretakers. I've been present for many family feuds, unfortunately, you know, like, oh, you didn't take care of mom as well as I did, or like what, all this stuff, your siblings fighting, or I don't know. So you have to be able to handle people's emotions as well. And then finally, like, do you want to be a business owner or not is a really good question. Because I do think that this model lends itself really, really well to people who might not be the best employees. And that's something you have to know about yourself is are you a person who is okay to fall in line and follow, you know, just like check in and out for the day? Or do you want to have more control over your schedule? Do you want to put more kind of more sweat into what you're doing? So there's a lot of questions that people have to figure out before they decide whether or not dental home care is for them. But I think it's for a lot of people if they think about it. And did you find kind of that business model that you're talking about through like mentors through like special care dentistry or hospital dentistry, or you just like have been figuring out as you go? Yeah. I wish I could say that I did. I wish mentorship is really strong in dentistry. And I feel like a lot of my friends have been very fortunate to find mentors in these um, couple of years. I'm about three or four years out of school now. Um, But yeah, in the last couple of years, people have found good mentors. And like I said, there just isn't anyone in my area who's been doing this. Um, I reached out once to a woman in New York city who's been doing this for decades. She was kind enough to let me, um, you know, she told me that she has a book. So I bought her book and 
read through that, got some good advice and got some ideas from that. But beyond that, there's, you know, you can always pay a consultant a bunch of money to tell you what's going on. And as a new grad, a couple, you know, a couple of years ago, I didn't have all that. So you learn things two ways. You either learn them yourself and going through it, or you can pay to learn it from someone else who's gone through it. And for me, I'm just learning as I go. And I'm grateful because I I think I picked it up pretty quick. Would you ever consider putting together some kind of like guide or book or something eventually? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's already in the works, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very eager to get people to to join this um, model because of the need and because yeah, it's just so needed. And I think that it benefits dentists a lot too, like as a lifestyle. So I recently started my podcast. It's called the residential movement podcast. And there's a website that will soon have like blogs and sure like eBooks and it's not up yet, but if you just start listening to the podcast, it has some good tips and eventually sure. I could have some products that are easily available and accessible because that's what needs to happen. Like I would be happy to be the mentor for people who are looking to get into it. Um, just because I just, I just think it's so badly needed. And another thing I was curious about, I mean, you're helping these like people that otherwise might not even have dental care for years and years. Like you were saying, are you able to get any kind of like grants or like government funding for the work that you're doing? So in New York state, in order to get some kind of grant like that, you have to um, be a nonprofit dental organization. And I am not, my company is a for-profit one. And that's because in New York state, if you are a nonprofit dental organization, you must accept the New York state sponsored insurances. And in my business model, because of how much time I spend at each person's home and everything else, I just, it wouldn't, I could not do it. It would not be sustainable. Um, right now, if I were to learn something different or learn more, um, then maybe things would change. But at this time, it's a for-profit business and it operates like any other private practice. And so it isn't eligible for any of those grants and funding. And it's funny because friends of mine who, you know, feel the way I do about patients and who they want to reach, they work in public health and maybe public health facilities. And they're, you know, like they, you know, are eligible for like grants and loan forgiveness and things like that. But I, for my own reasons, I'm happier to do it this way because it's just, this is the model. This is how it has to be. And I've accepted that. So do you have kind of your own fee schedule? Like you were saying, oh, like based on if you're going way out of your way for someone, there's a higher rate. And are they then just like paying you your amount and then handling with their Medicare or state insurance on their own and getting the reimbursement back? Yeah, exactly. So I am fee for service and I've adjusted my fees as I've gone along and learned, um, you know, the value of the procedures. And I've had to tell myself and give myself my own pep talks, like, okay, it isn't just about how long you're there. It's about all that goes into it. Um, my first three appointments, I charged $0. So I figured out that I would go you know, out of business really quick. So yeah, I've finally found a good fee schedule that I stick to. Um, and it's fee for service between me and the patient. And then I give them an invoice afterward. Um, we can help submit to their insurance company. They may or may not get reimbursed. And I always tell people, um, that that's the situation, unfortunately. And it's, it is unfortunate because a lot of them do qualify for state sponsored insurances because of their medical condition or age. Um, and yeah, I just, it can't be a covered service in order for me to provide it the way that I do right now. That makes sense. I have a few other just like logistics and like legal questions. Go for it. So you might've already said this, but what did you have to obtain any additional licensing beyond like your dental license to be able to do mobile dentistry in your state? No, no, it's, um, I'm a general dentist who does house calls. And so, um, I think the best way to 
get qualified to do something is to just start doing it. And then you gain experience. And yeah, there's no actual um, like house call certification, the way you have to get a certification to do sedation or anything like that. Um, it, it goes for anything in dentistry. You, you do what you feel comfortable doing. So dentists who have never placed implants and maybe they've been practicing 30 years, they're probably not the best dentist to be placing implants, even though they're legally allowed to, or, you know, just as certified as maybe anyone else doing it. It's more about the experience than anything. Are there any other like legal or logistical barriers that you encountered that you think people should be prepared for? I think that you need to have a really detailed conversation with your malpractice carrier. Um, Some malpractice insurance carriers only insure you for a certain location. So that's something to watch out for or only insure you if you are within a certain location or within a certain radius of a county, maybe. So definitely explain to them exactly what you're doing. Um, tell them where you're going to be doing it and just make sure that you're covered. That's a, that's a really important thing. Cause yeah. there are um, dentists, friends of mine who are like, Oh, I'm only insured for these couple of locations. How, and I'm like, well, that's a, that's a you problem. <laughs> like this is something yeah. you have to talk to your insurance about. Yeah. Interesting. Did you find that that made your plan a bit more expensive or just like changed the terms of things? So I got some advice during dental school. Um, from a, a person who was my male practice carrier and they advised me to get this um, definitely more expensive policy than my friends had had at the time. And I was like, why am I, why am I doing this? And, you know, I went to t- finally, when I changed my career plans and I told them what I was doing, they're like, oh yeah, you're already, this is fine. This is like fine for what you have already. So it was like, okay, good. So for oh, me, it worked perfect. out, but I'm sure that a lot of people would have to have that conversation and it might change things, but I was lucky. Is there anything else that you were like dying to share about home care dentistry or any like final advice you want to get out to people? I think the thing that I'm dying to share about it is that, I mean, it's amazing because we are offering so much value to patients and it's a huge patient need, um, completely under saturated field, like wide open. Um, and I just think that the thing that I'd like dentists to know is how wonderful it can be for their life too, because as a business owner who does house calls, like I can work whenever I want as much or as little. And, um, it's always a good day. It's always a rewarding day. And I just can't emphasize to dentists enough, um, relative to other career options, like how favorable this one is because of the flexibility, because of the variety in the day, because of the freedom and the schedule meeting girlfriends for lunch. Like it's just a different lifestyle than dentistry in any other setting. So it's great for you. It's great for patients. Um, and it's a huge need as well. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I literally like had never sat down and thought about the logistics and everything. So this was such a helpful conversation and I think it's going to get people excited and at least get people looking into it, which is one better step. (laughs) Absolutely. Something to consider about dentistry is that, um, you're always like in a building all day. I don't know. And then even if you have a lunch break and it's an hour lunch break and it's just, it's different. I don't know. Even during dental school, we rotated, we would spend one day in oral surgery, one day in pediatric dental, like you'd go to different areas and have some variety in your day. And then I think that when you're working and you just kind of join the hamster wheel of what everyone else is doing, and you end up in an office, like everybody else is in an office and you're like, wait a second, like I can't, you know, I want some freedom. So it's definitely something, something good to think about. Would you say that, cause like, for example, you know, like the state of Michigan, we're not required to do a GPR. Would you say that to get up those skills to be able to do home care dentistry and like work with special need patients, you really should have that like hospital residency training. 
I think that for whatever field you're going into, even if you're going straight into general private practice, I think a value, um, GPR is incredibly valuable or AEGD. I mean, you'll just gain so much confidence and offer so much more value to patients, whatever you're trying to learn. I mean, every residency is hit or miss, like some specialize in crown and bridge and others are more for hospitals and emergencies, um, you know, pay attention and choose wisely, but you will, there are things you will do during residency, at least if you choose a hospital residency that you will never do again in your career, you'll never see them unless you are in, um, that position as a resident. So the lessons that you learn there are invaluable. Um, I'll probably never sit into an ER or an OR, excuse me, ever again and watch a huge like facial surgery, you know, that just won't happen in my career probably. So I'm very grateful for that year because it gives you a lot of confidence, especially with medically complex patients. That makes a lot of sense. I know it's something I think about. I'm like not dying to do a residency, but I'm also like, I mean, it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> oh, it, yeah, it would never hurt. It, you know, I see like people are eager to get to work, but the truth is like work will always be there. And That's residency cool. won't. <laughs> uh, residency would, I guess, always be there, but it wouldn't be a natural choice. It would be hard to be working for five years and then go back to one, right? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a sweet spot and of an opportunity to just, you're done with your formal education, but now you get to see cool things that you wouldn't see anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And then you can start to work like everybody else, you know, mm-hmm. it'll always be there. Awesome. So do you want to just share again your podcast and if there's a way people can reach out to you if they have any questions? Yeah. Thanks for asking. And thanks for letting me share just because I, I just am so grateful for the opportunity to to spread the word about it. But the podcast is called residential movement. Now residential is kind of like a play on words because it's residential dental care as in like, you know, you're going to people's residences. So yeah, it's the residential movement.com and that's the website where you can go if you want to reach out to me. Um, but yeah, check it out and reach out if you have any questions. I'm happy to help with anybody who's looking awesome. to get into it. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me.